This is a podcast of the Church at Indian Lake. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Do you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you that your word gives life and strength. And we pray that this day, God, that, Lord, we would just get great uh, definition from you for our life. Lord, we would know those things which we need to let go of, and we would let those go to you, and we would hang on to those things you have for us. Thank you, Lord, that even worship today, we've been reminded that we are victorious, that you have victory for us, that you want us to succeed, and we're so grateful that's the type of God you are. So, Lord, use me as a, as a vessel, God. Help me not to say anything uh, inappropriate or anything in jest. Lord, I, I, I want, Lord, you to use, use me today. And Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One class short. One class short of graduation. I had a a dear friend of mine. He's still a dear friend. I talked to him yesterday. And I knew what college he went to. And I knew that he was a very good student. I knew this from his other classmates and that he was very successful in his career. But one day I was talking to him about about being an alumni at his school. He said, Aaron, i got to tell you something. I never graduated. I did all of the work, but there's just one class I haven't taken. And so that would be a common goal. As you know, there's always every single one of us has that one class that's hard to pass. In my case, I had lots of those classes that were hard to pass. But every single one of us have those challenges. So I asked him, "What, what class is that? I was really curious. And he said, English composition. Now, here, here's the thing about English composition. It is the first class you take in college. I knew my friend was an excellent student. He writes all the time. I've read his writings. He's a much better writer than I was. And so I said, well, why? Did, have you had trouble with the class? And he said, no, I've, I've just never had time to take it. I've never, I don't want to spend the money. Why do I need a little piece of paper? I've done all the work and I've graduated, I've done all the work to graduate, and all I need is that one class. Why do I need it now? I'm successful in my career. And his point was well taken. But what I told him, I said, could you imagine running a marathon? A marathon is 26.3 miles, is that correct? For those of you, 26.2 miles. As you know, I've never come close to running a marathon, so those of you who have the half marathon is just way above my, my uh, threshold also. Uh, but 20, 26.2 miles to run a marathon. Could you imagine running 26 miles and coming to those, that last little bit, that last 100 feet, and just stopping and saying, hey, I could run that last 100 feet. That's no problem to go 100 feet. I've already gone 26.2 0.1 miles, and I've already gone that far. Why do I need to go that last 100 yards? It doesn't make sense. And here's, here's the thing that I want you to, to, to reflect on as we start this message. There is a great, great distance between being able to say, I could have finished that 
No problem. I could have finished the race. I could have got my degree. I could have done that. There's a great gap between that thought and actually finishing what you're supposed to finish. That's a huge gap in life. It's so easy to say, I could have done this, I could have done that, and actually doing that, and actually finishing. I believe that the Lord wants us to see today that we don't have an excuse to quit in our lives. That there are things God has called us to finish, and that the enemy wants us to quit, but we need to have the heart of a finisher. You know, in the spiritual life, as those who, as I have the privilege of leading a spiritual community here, I get so frustrated because people get in the habit of quitting. And quitting a lot of times is not a reflection of who we are as much as it is just a bad habit. We start to quit at certain things in our life and then it translates to every other area. And when it comes to the church world, we quit our serving. We quit our participation. And then we quit our giving. Then we quit our attending. And you know what the problem is that? Eventually, we quit caring. The very thing that Jesus gave His life for and said, this is my church. This is how I'm going to save that world. the world. I'm going to build my church. The very thing that Jesus has a passion for, we quit caring about. And it doesn't happen in one day or one night. It happens over a series of decisions. We quit this area and quit that area and quit the next area. And eventually, we quit caring. The enemy wants us to live in the land that says, I could have finished that. I was almost to the finish line of the marathon. I had all the classes done except that one class. I could have done that. Why does it matter that I cross the finish line? And it matters. Because if God has called you to complete a race, if God has called you to uh, accomplish an assignment, He has called you to go to the end and He's given you the grace and the strength to do that. Now, I got in a very bad habit in my life. I have a, a lot of books and I've given away more books than I actually own now, collecting books all the time. And for many, many years, most of the books I have on my shelf were about halfway read. And that's just the truth. People say, did you read that book? I, I read half of it. And there, there's something about a book that it, it is easy to start. And about midway through, you kind of lose the momentum. And, and honestly, if a book doesn't captivate you, sometimes you need to move on. But in my personal situation, I got in the habit of not finishing any book I started. And so all of my books were halfway done. But now I've changed that habit in my life. And unless a book is really, really bad, I finish every book that I start. And this is what I've seen happen. I finish all of them now. And I do it a lot faster than I used to. Because I've got into the habit of finishing and there's no feeling. Well, it's a great feeling, but to get that last page of a book and shut that thing and say, I've conquered you book on the shelf, out of my life, get away from me, because you're done. You've conquered the book. And that might be one small, trivial example. You might not be a reader, or, or and that's okay if you're not, but whatever it is in your life, whether it is that home project, that remodeling project, that assignment that your boss wanted you to take on at work, 
Don't get in the habit of getting halfway through and losing interest. You know, one of the greatest challenges to leaders is boredom. Because leaders like to start stuff and they like to initiate, but then they move on. And in order to accomplish everything God wants you to, you have to stay focused. Because everything is exciting at the beginning. But it's those who endure. It's those who fight through. The, the, those who fight through the initial feelings of, of, of uh, disillusionment and when the excitement's gone and they move through to the finish line, that they begin to become finishers in their life. And they begin to finish the things God has called them to. Now, I'm going to make a disclaimer before we get to the main points here. Because we have to be careful to know that part of having no excuse to quit is knowing when you should quit. And there are times to to quit. And there are times to let things go. And unfortunately, we've kind of developed this complex in life that says, I'm not a quitter. Like, like quitting is the worst thing you can ever do. And I understand the heart behind that. But the problem is this. We have people all the time say, I'm not a quitter. And so they show up to their job and they show up to their, their marriage and they show up to their family. And they're there because they're not a quitter. They're physically there, but their heart has quit a long time ago. And can I ask you, what good is that? If you say, well, I'm not a quitter, I don't quit at stuff, so I'm going to come and bring my stinking attitude and my negativity and my lack of participation, but I'm not a quitter. I am here. I won't quit. You've quit in your heart. You've let go in your heart. Can I tell you that as long as God has called you and assigned you and put you in a place, you give your best until the end. That's why I love, I hope David and Christina Stocker are here again on another Sunday, but if you haven't heard they're, they're leaving us and, and they're going to one of my home churches in Texas to be a youth pastor. And we're so proud of them, even though we're going to miss them. But one of the things I love about David and Christina, they were just here for a year and a half. And they told me that up front. They said, Aaron, we're here on transition. But from the minute they were here, they gave everything they had to this local body. Some of us were paralyzed because we're so scared we're going to leave. We're going to, so scared we're going to be moved that we never engage. And I told someone the other day, someone who might be leaving our, us in three or four months, and they, they made me aware of that possibility, and I said, you know what? Act like you're going to be here for ten years. And if you leave three months from now, we'll deal with it then. Because you can't live in that, that, ne- that no man's land where you're present, but you're not here, and you're not part of what's going on. If you're taking notes on the back of your bulletin, let me just explore that thought a little more. There's a difference between letting go, which is wisdom in our lives. There's things we need to let go of, and giving up, which is quitting. Therefore, what I'm trying to communicate is that you're not when you let go of those things God has released you from, when you let go of those things that have become permanently unproductive in your life. And we know it's not the will of God for things to be permanently unproductive. And you say, this era of my life is over. This time period is over. God has released me. You're not a quitter. You understand that? Don't somehow get this humanistic mindset of, oh, I'm not a quitter, when uh, we know that God is our leader. And when the cloud is lifted and the pillar of fire isn't there and the presence of God is not there or that era of our life is over, it's okay to let go. That is called wisdom. But unfortunately, 
The things that we give up on are often the things God hasn't given up on. The things that we quit on are often the things that God is still involved in. And so we quit the wrong things and we let go of those precious things that God has. Let go of those things He is, He is done with. Let go of those things that are ineffective and pick up what He has. Our marriage, we are not to quit our marriage. Our convictions, we are not to quit our convictions. Our godly heritage, we are not to, not to quit our godly heritage. Our responsibilities, we're not to quit those. Why not quit your sin? Why not quit your unproductive, your lack of uh, productivity? Why don't you quit that bad habit? Why don't you quit that negative relationship? Be a quitter in the things that God's not in, but in your responsibilities, in your marriage, in your call, in your conviction. Don't give up. Don't let go. There is no excuse to quit. God has a plan for you. Well, we read the passage in 1 Corinthians 9.25. It says this, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Here's the first reason why we have no excuse to quit. We are in training. Write it down if you're taking notes. We are in training. We are not perfect. We are not flawless. We are not without mistake. None of us in here has achieved that quality. There's only one named Jesus who has done that. But we are in training. And do you know what training means? Training means we're going to be better tomorrow than we are today. We're going to be more productive tomorrow than we are today because we are in strict training. I am not who I want to be yet. And I am not everything God's called me to be yet, but I'm going to be closer tomorrow than I am today because God has me in training and he's not done with me and he is setting up my life. He is setting up opportunities for me. He has placed me in relationship with you today because together we're in training and he is taking us to a better place in him. The pain we feel today is going to make us stronger. That's what training's about. You see, training is not fun. It's not glorious. Training is not always the thing we feel like doing. And sometimes training is painful. It's painful when we are pushed to the limits. It's painful when we're stretched. It's painful when our body is pushed to go to a level it's never been before. But the reason we do endure the pain today is to get us ready for the victory tomorrow. God loves you so much that He has put you in strict training because He wants you to be a finisher. Sometimes during training, we feel like quitting. But every day that we're in training, every day that God is is speaking into our lives and we're learning how to live out faith in the context of the job we have today, in the context of the children we're raising today, in the context of the situation God's given us today. We're learning to live like Jesus and through Jesus' perspective, and he's training us even on the most difficult days. Training increases our pain threshold. Training gives us greater speed so that we can accomplish the purposes of God in our lifetime and in the time span he has for us. Training, as it strengthens our muscles, so training strengthens and develops the gifts God has already given us. You are in training. God did not 
promise you a life without challenges. God did not promise you a life without trouble. But God promised you that in the end, you were going to play a crucial part of the winning team. That's who you are. You are going to be part of the winning team. They, the songs we sung today, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. He has made us victorious in Christ. We are part of the winning team. But in order to be part of the winning team, listen, you have to understand that we are going through training and your role is crucial. Your role is crucial. God has put you in the body of Christ and he has given you a unique role. And when you fall short of that role, none of us are completely who we should be in God. We are in training. Don't quit. Don't quit on those things God has called you to do. Don't quit on your walk with with the Lord. Don't quit on your commitment to the church. Don't quit on your call to be a parent and your call to be a father. Don't quit on that assignment He's given you in your job. You have no excuse to quit because you're in training and God is making you stronger every day. We don't have an excuse to quit because number two, we seek a unique reward. Again, in verse 25, it says, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And very obvious, this is referring to the temporary crown that was made out of uh, holly bushes and, and it was it was made out of withering leaves and the crown that was made for the Olympic athletes in this context and in Athens, that, that crown would eventually fade out. And so it is with everything in our life. Yeah, I was thinking about homes. I was looking at some homes the other day, and, and uh, not not because I'm moving or anything, but it was in, in the context of of I was in Galveston, Texas, and we were looking at the homes that survived the hurricanes and homes that didn't survive the hurricane there, and and how a home responds. And the truth is, with some exceptions, most homes last about a hundred years. It takes us 30 years to pay for it, but it, it, if, you, if you really start thinking about it, with, with some exceptions, most homes within, give and take a, a huge span here, but let's say 100 years, they're going to be tore down, they're going to be replaced, they're going to be built, built back again. Those things that we value so much depreciate so quickly. And I was just thinking about in life how that is. Most things depreciate in life. I remember when MP3 players came out, I thought they were an amazing change. I mean, we've, in, in my short lifetime, gone from records to cassettes. When the CDs came out, I thought, oh, there'll nothing be as great as CDs because you could pick the songs you want on your, on your CD player and you don't have to rewind and fast forward. And we, we, we've really hit the mark with CDs. Well, now CDs are, are, are extinct almost because now we have the MP3 players where you can download digital music. And, our first MP3 player, I think we paid 125 bucks for it for 256 megabytes. That's it. 125 bucks. That's like 50 cents a megabyte there. And I was so proud because I could put on this one little MP3 player 30 songs and carry them with me wherever I went. It was amazing. I mean, it was worth every dollar. It was worth every penny. And, and I just cared for that little MP3 player. I mean, it was like a little pet. I just, just, just kept it safe and made sure that it, 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 it never got damaged and it was always in a safe place. Now, that same MP3 player, I saw it the other day and it was 
in a toy bin with all my kids' toys. It didn't have a battery. It didn't have a back to it. It looked like one of the kids had chewed on it somewhere. And you could buy, a, you could buy a, 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 a MP3 player that holds thousands of songs just for thirty to forty dollars now, maybe even cheaper than that. And here it is: the thing we valued so much depreciated so quickly. And even those things, I know we're thinking about vintage cars and well-built houses, how they will appreciate, and there are some exceptions, but ultimately everything on this earth will depreciate because everything in this earth is going to burn in the elements and at the judgment of Christ. And so here it is. Here we spend so much time trying to accumulate things that will depreciate our homes, our cars, even as we know what's going on in America today, even our money is depreciating. Full time, we forget there's a different crown we're seeking after. There is something reserved with God. There is something on hold with God that won't change. James 1.12 says it this way, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now that's not referring to salvation. Salvation isn't earned, it's a gift. That there's a crown of life, there's a victor's crown, there's a reward from the Lord that's in heaven, and that's what we're supposed to live for. We're supposed to live for that which is eternal. All the things that we're living for today are going to they're going to depreciate. They're going to lose their value. But everything we do for the kingdom of God, everything we do for other people, everything we do for the things God cares about, which are people, His church, those things are going to be held in heaven and they're going to be part of the crown and reward He gives us. Why do we not have an excuse to quit? We can't quit because we're living for a different reward. We're living for a different life. We're living for eternity. We know that God has something stored up for us. So why get discouraged by all this stuff that depreciates when God has given you an opportunity to store up in heaven that which will never fade, that which will never rust, that which will endure for eternity. You have no excuse to quit because God God has has prepared something in heaven for you. We seek a greater crown. Here's the last thing I want you to write down. Why do we have no excuse to quit? Because we intentionally choose to succeed. We intentionally choose to succeed. When I was in college, I I spent seven to ten days in London. It was such a great experience. I love that city. Hope to go back someday. So rich in history. So rich in culture. But in the 20th century, one of the historical figures that is bigger than any is Winston Churchill. And and this was even demonstrated as uh, I went through the House of Parliament. There's a statue, and you can see that statue now. And at the bottom of this beautiful bronze statue, the foot is orange. And the reason the foot is orange is because all the little kids go and they rub this foot and hope to be the prime minister someday. And just lets you know that Winston Churchill is just bigger than life. And, and, and he's a huge character. And when he came, and he came and became the prime minister of England at a very difficult time. And at that time, he said these words. I want you to listen to these words. Uh, this happened in the House of Commons three days after becoming prime minister. And it's a very politically incorrect speech, but yet it is what has endeared him to Englishmen, Americans, and historians. He said, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, 
tears and sweat. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and of suffering. You ask, what is our policy? I can say it is to wage war by sea, land, and air with all our might and with all the strength that God can give us. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word. It is victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory, there is no survival. Isn't that just a tremendous speech of resolve that Winston Churchill gave? And in his, in his estimation, and it was true, the English Empire had no option but victory. I hear the same type of resolve in verse 26 when Paul says, Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave. Do you hear the resolve in that? Where he says that I'm not going to let life happen to me. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to discipline my body. I'm going to discipline me. Because there is an intentionality there. He, had it. he was going to succeed. He chose to succeed. Can I just encourage you? And through the power of the Word of God and through the name of Jesus, this is not humanistic talk I'm giving you right now. I'm just saying this from the Lord. Make up your mind you're going to succeed for the Lord. Make up your mind you're going to, you're going to take the victory God has for you. Make up your mind that you're not going to be a victim to the enemy, but instead you're going to walk as an overcomer because that is what God has available to you. Philippians 3.14 Paul said it another way. He says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize. This is Philippians 3.14. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, heavenward in Christ Jesus. We, we want to create a culture of success. Success for the Lord. And can I just challenge you to make sure that you are around people that have optimism, people with great attitudes, people who have a will to succeed. You make sure that those you surround yourself with that are closest to you are creating in your life a culture of success. Because can I tell you, God wants you to win. God wants you to finish. He's placed before you a finish line. And that finish line is different for every one of us in here. But all of us have this in common. We have to finish what God's put in our heart. We have to uh, go all the way. We have to go to the distance. We can't quit on the things God has called us to be a part of. We must endure. I love in 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 8, that what, what Paul said at the end of his life, before he went to what is almost a certain execution, he says, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. A man who had finished the race, man who had done what he's supposed to do, and he had intentionally chosen to succeed. Well, I believe that God is calling all of us, all of us, to finish, to never quit, to endure the race. 
1955, Winston Churchill was at the end of his life. He was asked to speak at a university in their closing ceremonies. He was frail. He was fragile. Many realized for this sick man who was a great leader, he had spoken so many great words to not only the nation of England, but to the world. And he had challenged the world just through his voice and through his speeches. And there was great anticipation on what he would say at what could be his last speech. Churchill made his way to the podium and he was frail and he stood there in silence for what seemed like a very uncomfortable time period. And then he looked up and with determination, he said three phrases. He said, never quit, never quit, never quit. And he turned around and he sat down. The end of the speech. The crowd was shocked and they were silent for a while. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a great applause started and spread. The message was loud and clear. This man had lived a great life as a political leader. And now he was calling his nation and he was calling the citizens of the world to take that same determination. This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.